Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and on this episode, we're going to be covering all of the Nickelodeon anniversaries in between the times of May 15th to May 21st. And boy, do we have an incredibly short episode. We don't have many anniversaries to celebrate this week, but for the two that we have, we're going to take our time with them. But first, something else that was announced, well, last week, in Nickelodeon history, but it was announced at the time of this recording this week in Nickelodeon history. Three new characters are coming to Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, the first DLC of the game, the first paid DLC of the game, um, Shredder and Garfield, although they were characters that were released post-game, they were originally meant to be released alongside the game, but just took some extra development time for those characters. So these are the first three characters that were made post-game. And they are Jenny, XJ9 from My Life as a Teenage Robot, who is out now. Hugh Neutron. Oh my goodness. Hugh Neutron of all of all characters coming out this summer. And then later this fall, we have Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Three of my top five picks for that game right out of the gate. Here we are. $11.99 for the pack of three, each of which come with a character and then a stage. And I just got to say, for $12, $4 a character, that is not asking much, and it is well worth the price of admission. If out of the gate they're going to listen to fans on the level of Hugh Neutron, then you know that your money is going to good people. I, I can't stress that enough. They have done such a, a wonderful job with the Nickelodeon IP in this game, and I just hope the All-Star Brawl brand continues to grow. I hope we get more characters for years to come. I hope, hey, eventually there's a sequel to this game, just like with Smash Brothers, that can take everybody previously, and then we can build on top of it. I, I'm here for the long run for All-Star Brawl. Uh, but let's break down the characters here. Jenny... XJ9 from My Life as a Teenage Robot, easily a top ballot choice. Because when you look at a Nickelodeon fighting game, and you line up every possible choice to be in that fighting game, Jenny as a Nicktoon is a top ballot choice. She's already made for combat. She's good to go. She has a, a ready-to-go moveset that just needs to be adapted. And boom, now we have Jenny in the game, who, by the way, everything from her character model to the stage, you can just tell the level of effort that went in to properly adapting the art style of my life as a teenage robot. And that, honestly, I, I just have nothing but good things to say with how the art direction for each character was handled in this game. I, they found a way to perfectly meld in each of these characters. Um, I, I could gush about the game left and right, and I and I will one day when I do a video essay about it. Um, but yeah, we, we have Jenny. Hugh Neutron, one of the most requested characters, and, and for people who have never watched Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, you might think, well, wouldn't Jimmy make a, more sense as a character out of the gate? And you're absolutely right about that. But second to Jimmy is Hugh Neutron, someone who has just done absolutely incredible things throughout the show and is kind of the Randy Marsh of Jimmy Neutron. 
And if you're a South Park fan, that'll make sense. Whereas maybe at first the dad character isn't supposed to take this much screen time or have this many funny things to say. But thanks to the voice work of Mark DiCarlo, he brought Hugh to life and brought so much energy to that character, so much chaotic energy that I can't wait to unleash Hugh on the battlefield. He's going to be a fun character to play as. And then we round out this first uh, batch of characters with Rocco, one of my top picks for, for a Nicktoon fighter. He, he's a character you wouldn't necessarily think of having a pretty viable moveset, but seeing the creativity that um, they have found with some of these characters, I have no doubt that they'll be able to pull out a great moveset from Rocco that fully acknowledges little moves and moments from the show. I mean, think about this. They were able to give Nigel Thornberry a viable moveset as a fighter. The fact that they made that happen means that they can make anything happen in this game. But between Nigel and Hugh... The desire for more Nicktoon parents uh, continually skyrockets for me. I want Stu Pickles in the game, who has a moveset made up of a bunch of his different inventions that he has. I want Jack and Maddie Fenton with all of their ghost gear fighting in the game. I, I, Lou Pickles, you know, maybe with his uh, his combat attire. I mean, the ideas of Nicktoon's parents in this game are, are almost limitless. Parents and guardians, we need Uncle Iroh from Avatar in the game kicking butt alongside Fire Lord Ozai. He's not really a, a decent parent, but hey, another one we can add there. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for just all of the parents getting in there. Dee Dee, uh, Betty DeVille, Howard DeVille. Get, them, get every single parent in the game. Give them all their own moveset. Steely, Phil, Shortman, Gertie. Oh, Grandma Gertie would be an absolutely insane character. Talk about chaotic energy. Uh, Hugh Neutron is one thing. I completely f forgot about Grandma from Hey Arnold. That is a whole different level of chaotic good energy. If you've been on the fence thus far about Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, and you're a Nickelodeon fan, look, that alone is worth the price of admission. Even if you don't necessarily like games that are inspired by that kind of Super Smash Brothers style, knocking characters off of the course, um, this one, there's still so much personality from Nickelodeon to be found from the original music to the the stages and the effort that they've put into the each art style of the backgrounds the extra 3d modeled characters that show up like Winslow and and even Tuck and and Professor Wakeman in the new my life as a teenage robot stage absolutely incredible work from everyone who is who is working on this game behind the scenes you have my undying love and praise for the effort that is being put forth on this project and I certainly hope it continues moving forward. If you have been on the fence thus far about Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, I cannot recommend it enough if you are a Nickelodeon fan. It is worth it. Even if you don't like those style of games, there's going to be something about it, the music, the design, the play style that you're just going to fall in love with. I, I guarantee it. Now, as far as the anniversaries we are celebrating on This Week in Nickelodeon History, we only have two. The first of which being a show that ended 19 years ago on May 19th, 2001. We had Cousin Skeeter, a show created by Phil Bowman, Alonzo Brown, and Brian Robbins. The show ran for three seasons of 52 episodes. Now, when I think of live-action Nickelodeon shows, Cousin Skeeter might not be the first one that comes to mind, but it's definitely one of the few that do come to mind, and when I think of it, it's a, it's a plot, it's a... a a kind of sitcom that just fits right at home at Nickelodeon. And if you don't know what Cousin Skeeter is, you've never heard of it, you've never, you have no idea, no recollection. The show is a live action sitcom that takes a kid named Bobby 
who lives with his father, played by Rondell Sheridan. Shout out to Rondell. Love him as an actor. Uh, Bobby's life is turned upside down when his cousin comes to move in with him. His cousin Skeeter, wink, wink, if you didn't get that. What's different here is that Skeeter is not an actor, per se. Uh, Skeeter is a puppet who was performed by puppeteer Drew Massey, who is known for his work on, on Nickelodeon shows and also his work with the Jim Henson Company and has an extensive career as a puppeteer through many shows that required puppeteering, such as Yo Gabba Gabba, Crank Anchors, and the short-lived Greg the Bunny. I don't want to make that the last thing I mention of him, though, but he has voiced a ton of the Muppet characters for Robot Chicken, which is pretty cool. So he played Skeeter here. Voicing Skeeter was Bill Bellamy, who is best known for his time on Deaf Comedy Jam. And let me tell you, the, the, of course, Cousin Skeeter being the namesake of the show, you would hope that he would also be able to carry the show. And Bill's portrayal of Skeeter absolutely on its own can carry the show. That alongside his relationship that he was able to create with the character of Bobby, portrayed by Robert Richard, who did a wonderful job in the role. He was very endearing as the, as the character of Bobby. And the relationship that he was able to have with Skeeter was was very endearing. It's crazy. Um, for a character to be able to create a relationship with a puppet, I feel is ten times harder than when you have a human being to bounce everything off of. When you're bouncing off of essentially a voice, a fictional character like that, in that way with a puppet, you, you have to work a little bit harder. I feel. I mean, I've never done it. It would be an absolute dream of mine to interact with characters like Kermit and Cookie Monster. And I know that in those moments, I'd be able to treat those characters like they are. They're real. But in other ways, it might be a little bit harder if you're not like truly there or if the character is not that endearing. But but Bill as Skeeter was able to really create a, a true-to-life character in the room where Skeeter absolutely averted to your attention and had your attention at all times. It also helped that the puppet for Skeeter was incredibly charismatic, uh, just even in its movements. So shout out to the team there uh, between both Robert, of course, having to, to act alongside Skeeter, but for Drew and Bill coming together to create the character of Skeeter, who, who I really feel like could have stayed a part of Nickelodeon a little bit longer. You know you know how Pickboy stayed on through Nickelodeon beyond Slime Time Live and, and just kind of became a character in the background? Why, why couldn't Skeeter do the same? I mean, was he just, was he not as beloved as I feel like he, he was? Uh, may, maybe not so, but I still have a, a, a love for Skeeter in my heart, and uh, I may have not watched the entire show, but let me tell you, there's certainly an episode of this show that I do love. And we will certainly talk about it in a little bit. But for our other anniversary that we are celebrating this week, nine years ago on May 17th, 2001, SpongeBob SquigglePants was released on the Nintendo 3DS. Now, we have talked about SpongeBob SquigglePants in a previous episode as the Wii version of this game was released on April 10th, 2001 for the Nintendo Wii and specifically the UDRAW system. So... If you wanted to play SpongeBob SquigglePants on your Wii, you had to either purchase the combo pack, which I was able to get a few years ago online, um, which came with the entire UDRAW tablet. It was a, a big plastic tablet. It had its own stylus. And what you would do on the Wii is you would plug in the Wiimote 
there was a little docket where your Wiimote would sit into and you would plug your Wiimote in and then boom, you had a workable tablet that you were then able to use on your Wii for a, a small variety of UDraw games, which was a device released by one of my favorite companies, THQ. And you know what? It was a smart idea, especially with the amount of extra movement and activity that the Wii brought. Trying to bring a tablet and stylus to the Wii made sense. And it brought along a few licensed drawing games, including Pictionary, a Disney Princess storybook game, Marvel Superhero Squad, The Penguins of Madagascar, and then SpongeBob Squiggle Pants. Uh, now, if you didn't own a Wii or didn't want to spend the extra money for the UDraw tablet, but happened to own a 3DS, then you were in luck, like myself, because I didn't want to buy the UDraw tablet at the time it came out. I'm glad I own it now for the sake of playing SpongeBob Squiggle Pants. Uh, but I had a 3DS, and a mere month later, SpongeBob Squiggle Pants was released on the 3DS. What is very interesting about this game, and I do recommend it if you are a fan of the WarioWare games of series, because it certainly takes that idea of micro games in quick succession and slaps an amount of SpongeBob paint on top of it. But not just a paint of SpongeBob. Here's the crazy thing about SpongeBob Squiggle Pants. Even if you don't want to play the game, I highly recommend looking up some of the playthroughs and long plays of the game because you see a wide variety of creative art styles that they use with the SpongeBob world and their characters for different segments and sections of minigames. There's an entire section of this game that is devoted to B-movie horror and uses that kind of style that you've seen probably used on t-shirts and a few other media of like the hash-slinging slasher and oh my god, here it comes and all the characters are stylized. They have an entire section of minigames based off of that art style. I I love SpongeBob Squiggle Pants. Um, compare it to WarioWare, and obviously I think the better uh, game of that style is WarioWare. But I'm you know, it's a, it's great to have something inspired by it. I don't go into SpongeBob Squiggle Pants expecting it to be just as good or even better than WarioWare. I want a fun SpongeBob experience, and that's what you will get if you play SpongeBob Squiggle Pants. I can't recommend it enough. At this point in time, if you have a Wii, buying the UDraw tablet is very inexpensive. It is a piece of gaming technology that unfortunately hasn't hit a collectible status, and most people who own one just want to get rid of it. So you can certainly find a UDraw tablet for fairly cheap and a copy of SpongeBob Squiggle Pants for fairly cheap. Um, the combo pack that I purchased that came with the the big Squiggle Pants box, I think I purchased that for about 60 bucks, which, you know what, is, is not bad for everything that, that came with it. It may have even been cheaper than that. It was not that expensive. The second I saw it, I was like, boom, purchased. But if you don't have a Wii and you don't have a UDraw tablet or anything and you have a 3DS... It is well worth finding yourself a copy of Squiggle Pants and, and playing that. Um, either way, like I said, if you don't even have either of those systems, it's it's worth at least looking up some of the footage of this game. It's just a, a fun and wild time, and I wish they, they did experiments with SpongeBob games like this more often. As far as the top 10 of this week, yes, that was our two anniversaries for this week. Uh, not Not too much, but we don't need to overstay our welcome here. Um, since Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness released this month, a lot of people online have been posting various images of what their version of the Multiverse of Mad Madness is or what the best Multiverse of Madness is. Essentially, every crossover that has ever happened 
on television and in movies is just being memed right now. So for my top five for this week, I wanted to go over my top five Nickelodeon crossovers. And um, I actually wanted to give a shout out to a, a sixth contender here, one that I almost had in the top five, but I decided to bump off because it really isn't too big of a crossover. But just the fact that it happened is really cool and I enjoy it. But there exists a Rugrats comic book that features a story, and I will get the uh, name of the comic as I'm, I'm telling it. But there's a, spun, uh, a Rugrats comic book in which Otto, Reggie, and Twister from Rocket Power show up to the Pickles house to babysit Tommy and Angelica. And this is an adventure uh, from Rugrats Comic Adventures Volume 1, Number 10. And it's the book titled Invasion of the Babysitters. And right on the cover, you can see Otto, Reggie, and Twister and their silhouettes in the doorway, um, obviously to sell more of those those comic books. And trust me, if I saw that on the, on the shelf, that would have been a purchase for me. I don't own this comic book. I will at some point. But just the idea of the Rocket Power characters being in the same universe as Rugrats, it makes sense. And since we've already had an official crossover with Aureo Monsters and Rugrats, in an older Rugrats episode, it just goes to show that the entire Klasky Chupo universe all exists in one place. I mean, we'll, we'll get to more of that later. But number five on my list of Nickelodeon crossovers is The Fairly Odd Phantom, a digital short that was released on February 21st, 2017, a short that was designed to promote the upcoming Bunsen is a Beast on Nickelodeon, but it blew up in so many other ways beyond that because what this ended up doing was combining all of Butch Hartman's creations in one place for one little animated crossover, which starts out in the Danny Phantom world and gives us just a little extra taste of some more Dan Danny Phantom action as Danny, Jazz, Tucker, and Sam are in the Fenton lab. As more ghosts come out of the portal, we get a nice little action sequence of them capturing the ghosts before they look over and realize that Dudley Puppy and Kitty Catswell from Tough Puppy are also in the lab with Dudley just hitting as many buttons as he can, causing the ghost portal to open up again before Timmy, Cosmo, and Wanda from the Fairly Odd Parents come out before Cosmo and Wanda then get captured by Danny Phantom's uh, little uh, thermos, his ghost-catching thermos. Uh, before all the characters really get to talk and acknowledge one another, the portal goes off again before Bunsen from Bunsen is a Beast comes through and gives everybody cupcakes. It, it's, a, it's a very small short. It really doesn't give off a true, hey, what would happen if, if Timmy, Cosmo, and Wanda met up with Danny Phantom? But to not see these characters after so long and to give them new animation and a new animated sequence, to hear their voices again and to hear some of these voices interact with one another, it's a fun time. If you've never seen it, it's it's only a few minutes long. It's well worth your time to check out, but definitely check out The Fairly Odd Phantom. Number four is a crossover episode between Cousin Skeeter and Kenan and Kel, which aired a part of Cousin Skeeter's second season, a two-part episode known as Who? I'm Wild Wild West. Uh, this has Skeeter, Bobby, and his friend Nina joining Keenan and Kel on a ranch vacation. The, the characters all meet up as they're all headed toward this, this ranch. And there is mystery afoot 
which happens to be the ranch owner. I haven't seen this episode in, in a while. I should rewatch it, but it is one that I remember distinctly as a kid because it was one of the first times that two live-action Nickelodeon shows crossovered like this. So so to have the characters of Keenan and Kel from their show, Keenan and Kel, interacting with Skeeter and Bobby of Cousin Skeeter, it blew my mind as a kid. It's, it's well worth to watch. It's certainly something I'm going to check out again. Uh, number three on this list, it's not a straight-up crossover, but I, I got to kind of lump all of these together in one category, and I and I think you'll understand, but I am talking about the amount of animated shows that have crossed over with Nickelodeon game shows. I'm specifically talking about Sanjay and Craig having episodes where they both go on Family Double Dare and Nickelodeon Guts, but also I'm talking about the Loud House and the amount of times that they've gone on Nickelodeon game shows such as Legends of the Hidden Temple and Double Dare as well. All of those together are bunched up in number three. It, it's been used a few times, but it's an episode idea that I, I'm going to love right off of the bat. Oh, some characters are going to be going on Double Dare and playing on Double Dare. Awesome. Like, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the animated versions of Double Dare. Oh, my goodness. Your characters are going on Legends of the Hidden Temple. You're going to have Olmec on there. I'm all about that. You could tell me a show 20 years from now has an episode where the characters are going on Legends of the Hidden Temple. And even if it's been done 20 times at that point, it's still going to be a cool idea to see a show and its art style of those game shows, but what happens when those characters are presented in those formats. So all of them get kind of compiled into number three there. Number two is the film, the Nickelodeon film Rugrats Go Wild. Rugrats Go Wild is the third Rugrats film that was released in theaters, and it is not only a Rugrats film, but it is also a Wild Thornberries film, the second following the Wild Thornberries movie. Rugrats Go Wild was released on June 13th, 2003, and, and really, other than the fact that you would see characters like Nigel Thornberry interact with the Rugrats, the big push for this movie was that Eliza, having the power to talk to animals would be conversating with Spike from the Rugrats, a character that we've known since 1991, and we've never, you know, hear speak other than barks and anything that a dog would would kind of make other than noises like that. So to then hear not only would Spike would sound like, but to how he talks, which, spoiler warning, he is voiced by Bruce Willis in the movie and, and does a pretty okay job as having a, a very distinct personality that is very much about his love for his babies, but um, it's not the best Rugrats movie. It's not the best Wild Thornberries movie, but for these two worlds to collide in one story, it is absolutely worth your time to watch. Um, that's why it's number two on my list. But number one should be in a pretty obvious guess at this point because I, I haven't said it thus far. And and you would think, well, if it's not number five to two on the list, then it's just it has to be number one. I am talking about the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour, the greatest crossover in Nickelodeon history. It's one I've gushed about many times on this show. I'm, I'm not going to gush about it too much uh, here again, but if you have not watched it, I don't think I can recommend um, an episode of The Fairly Odd Parents or The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron more than just watching the very first Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. 
The special first premiered on May 7th, 2004, and was a massive success for the channel, prompting them to dip back into this crossover series two more times with the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour 2 and 3. What makes this so special is that it just works on all levels. And I've said this before, I'll say it many times in the future, you're taking two shows with wildly different art styles, but also wildly different premises that completely work together as alternate universes and and still honor the rules of both worlds. We can have an adventure where Jimmy and Cindy are hanging out and talking with Cosmo and Wanda because they fully believe in their universe that these are computer programs and it doesn't break the rules that, you know, if they know that they're living, breathing fairies that have real magic, that Timmy will lose them. And honestly, with the amount of scientific exceptions that we make when we watch the adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, it, it just really isn't that silly to then have magical fairies in this world. It, it just works. And it's fine that they did the other two crossovers because then we got to see more characters and different art styles. The third one is definitely the weakest out of the three. I wish there was just something else there. Or even if for the third one they introduced a new world. Because at that point, they had Danny Phantom on the air. Think about that, bringing Danny Phantom in the mix. And then you have a proper villain that the the characters can all fight. You can introduce a new ghost that then terrorizes Retroville and Dimsdale, and then Danny has to get involved. And can you imagine seeing Danny in 3D with some of those powers? That would have just been a cool time. But anyway, I'm grateful and thankful that we have the trilogy that we have. If you've never seen it, it is well worth your time. And that is going to be this week for This Week in Nickelodeon History. From the bottom of my heart, I always appreciate it. If you have any questions for the captain that you want me to read out on the show, you can reach me at NickelodeonHistory at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. Please check out my other podcast, I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, dropping every Wednesday. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where you can also hit that bell for notifications whenever you want to know when the captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or from the link in any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects go directly back into my projects, and it's always appreciated. As always, please stay safe out there, be kind to one another, and come aboard again next week to another week in Nickelodeon history.